Welcome to Buy, Grow, Sell, a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to acquire, grow, or exit a business, hosted by Simon Bedard. Hey there, it's Simon Bedard here. If you're brand new to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, then welcome. It's great to have you on this journey. Since its launch, I've interviewed many entrepreneurs that have bought, grown, or sold a business. And in some cases, they've completed all three steps and started all over again. Our goal is to share the stories of business owners that have traveled at least part of this cycle so that we can learn from their experience. Whether it's the dizzying heights of success or the hard lessons learned through adversity, we get to the heart of what drives success and how to apply these lessons on your journey. So join us for the best insights, interviews, and inside information on how to buy, grow, and sell a business straight from the entrepreneurs who've lived and breathed it. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people on this show. I've talked to a lot of business owners in in my journey and, and through managing Exit Advisory Group. And one of the common things I find is that there's a lot of what I will call accidental entrepreneurs out there. You know, people who are kind of good at what they do and then they kind of fall into what they end up doing and they end up building a business around it and it grows and it's successful because they're good and often they're good people. So it's always interesting to me when I interview people who very much have that end game in mind when they start. And not only that, they're able to really channel and apply their energies, their thinking, their strategy to that overarching end game. If that sounds interesting to you, you're going to like my next guest, who is Tom Farinacci. Tom's a lovely guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. But he had a business in the, in the landscaping space and literally started mowing lawns when he was a kid and ultimately you know, grew a fantastic business that is really ultimately supporting his lifestyle and his family and, and everybody. So, so clearly he's made a success of it. But he, he talks in this interview about the build versus buy decisions, the if you are going to acquire how to find the leverage, like what is the one plus one equals three you know, formula that he applied, certainly, but, but also that you could be applying in your business. And then ultimately, you know, all the stresses, all the things that, that are put on our shoulders as business owners as we're grinding through our journey, trying to get to that final end game. Tom's been wonderfully generous. He shared his story. I found it fascinating, and I'm sure you'll get some great insights out of it too. This is Tom Farinacci. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I do appreciate your time and you coming on to share your story. Um, you know, for those listeners uh, at the moment, Tom's hailing from Houston, Texas. It's a little after 9 p.m. his time. So we, we certainly appreciate uh, <laughs> you, you're coming on at a late hour. <laughs> sure. Not a problem. Yeah. Tom, I'm really interested in your story. You know, the, the whole Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, you know, we talk about people buying and growing and selling businesses. Um, you know, it's a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and we do typically pick on a transaction for a lot of people, you know, taking a look at their perspective as the, you know, often the seller and what that journey was like. Now, I'm really interested in your journey because you actually did a couple of acquisitions along the way before ultimately selling. And, and I think that's going to give us a really interesting edge to, to this discussion. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, along my journey, that was a, one of the ways I thought would be the best way to grow the business at a uh, at a good pace, at the pace that I wanted to. So I do have the experience on both sides, which is kind of nice of buying and selling. Yeah, cool. Um, so you started the business Pro Design Landscape. Um, maybe you could just talk us through the early stages and kind of what led you to that business and getting things going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, originally, when I first started, um, I had the entrepreneurial spirit, I would say, in uh, my high school years. I did have a small business at that time. I was a go-getter, and, and uh, we, my business was in the lawn care and uh, lawn care landscaping business uh, here in Houston, Texas, which is pretty predominant in this area. And um, I grew, uh, I started this probably, I would say roughly, it was about 1990 I started as a uh, in high school and grew it up to a point to where um, I had enough business to where my dad noticed it was pretty significant. I sold the company to him, believe it or not. So I sold it to him. <laughs> I went away to college. I had to get my college degree, no matter what. It, it didn't matter. I wanted to get the education through that. So I got basically a landscape architecture degree and um, came back and worked briefly for the largest landscape company in Houston, Texas. And the reason why I specifically want to do that is, of course, just pick their brain, see how the big operation works. You know, my whole goal was I knew exactly what I was going to do, get back into my own line of business, but I wanted to use their time and money. So I did that for uh, about a year. And then I started my, I guess, basically my second landscaping business and went in competition with my dad, with my old customers, which was fine. <laughs> it worked out okay. Um, he did a little bit of lawn maintenance. I did a lot of the landscape installs. And then we joined everything in 2000. Uh, from there, it was slow growth and slow, steady growth, 5% a year, maybe um, it just slow, steady growth. But then I got to a a slow point, I would say, probably in around uh, 2008, there was a dip in the economy. And um, right after that, I probably say about 2009, I went ahead and looked to go ahead and buy a company, which I did. I bought a small company to just add to my business. I wanted to grow. And I, what I wanted to do was it was very important in the area that I grew. It had to be a tight knit area. Uh, reason being is because you're paying these employees and you're paying them for windshield time, drive time. So if they're not out on the job, they're not making you money. So I did the acquisition specifically in those areas to grow uh, little by little and grow more crews and more employees. I did an acquisition in nine, an acquisition in uh 10 going into 11 and then i did my real big acquisition in 2012 july 12 and then that acquisition in 12 uh basically i tripled the size of my company i was the little guy and i took the big leap of faith and uh, did that and then grew all the way until uh 2000 and uh 2020 in the midst of covid and actually got to sell in the midst of covid so it worked out okay that's a that's an interesting story. It's um, I I, I want to get to some of the acquisition stuff and and some of the thinking that went into that. But um, before we do that, I'm I'm just curious. You know, you you were obviously had that entrepreneurial spirit. You were 
um, getting into doing lawns and, and clearly a motivated guy from a very young age. I'm, I'm interested as to, you know, what drives an entrepreneur, you know, like what makes people want to get out there and do this stuff, you know, and um, I'm curious, uh, did, did, did your father or mother, was there any other major sort of influences in your life that kind of modeled this entrepreneurial behavior or had a big influence on you? Um, I would probably say my father was a big driving force. Now, my father, my father just was just old school work guy. Um, and uh, he always told me, you, you, you live in the best country. You, you feel in the best country in the world. You have all these opportunities. You can do it if you just got to work for it. Nothing's handed to you. Um, and so I just had that drive as a kid to always just get out and hustle. Even when I was 12, 13 years old, I'd have my bike and pull my mower behind me with tied up with a weed eater and blowers or whatever, just to go and hustle and make a buck. There's always a way to make a dollar if you're willing to work. But that's, that's the thing is nothing's given to you. So it was, I was very driven personally myself to, to, to go out there and always get a buck and you can do it and you just got to be willing to put the work in. Yeah, I totally agree. It's um, it's funny. I often get asked the question when we, you know, what was my first business, and I kind of chuckle and say, it depends on what you define as a business. You know, if you're talking about when I registered my first corporation and I had a you know tax number and a blah blah blah, well, that's one story. But um, you know, I always laugh and say my first business was I was eight years old crawling around in the muck, pulling out golf balls that, that golfers were not willing to go and get and washing them and selling them back to them. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's it. Now, I think it's kind of driven with certain certain entrepreneurs that are that way. They just have that the drive to go and get it. Um, and and it, some people may be timid about it uh, with entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs have to take the risk. Some are calculated, some are big risk. And, and unfortunately, with a lot of businesses, uh, <laughs> I think one out of five make it after two years or so. I don't know what the true true fact number is, but not too many of them make it. They, everyone thinks it's just so easy to be their own boss. Well, there's a lot more to that than just being your own boss. So, you know, I think you just have to drive. You have to be have that drive if you want to be that entrepreneur and that go-getter. Yeah, look, I totally agree. And it's and, and look, the business um, stats don't lie, right? I mean, if it was that easy, we wouldn't see the kind of failure rates in businesses that we do. And, um, you, you know, that it leads me to another question because it's, you know, you do look at those failure numbers and, and, you know, one can't help but ask, you know, why do so many businesses, you know, fail? And I think you've touched on it. One is one is work ethic, right? The, the, the the willingness to put the effort in, do the grind, hustle, 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 be adaptive, all that sort of stuff, right? But I'm curious because listening to what you know your story and background, it sounds to me like you were really clear about what you wanted to do from a very early stage, right to the point of you went and did the university degree to support it, you got the job to support it. You know, I, I just I can't help but wonder, and given my profession and what we do as a company, I can't help but wonder how much does the end result, the end game, you know, how important is that to, to have a clear idea of your end game early on to give you that purpose, to give you that focus? Yeah, I think a lot of it, it is a true blessing because, like I said, I was, I knew, I guess, from that age, I, at 14, 15, 16, that I, I did. I enjoyed the landscaping and, and I, lower, I enjoyed not necessarily the lawn maintenance part of it, but the, the uh, artistic impression and the things you can design from a, just a blank slate. So I enjoyed that. 
And I was blessed enough, and it's unfortunate because so many people that are in high school, the junior, senior year, and, and you say, well, what kind of line of work do you want to get in? They just shrug their shoulders. They no clue, you know, kind of thing. So I was blessed that I guess I had the vision to go and do what I wanted to go and do. And I had an end game of exactly what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to build this business to a point to where I'd have a nationwide buyer come and buy me out. And I had that end game and that goal in hand, and uh, I was blessed to, to execute it from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, and congratulations. I mean, it's um, yes, I think I you. think there's lots of yeah, I think I think there's lots of accidental entrepreneurs out there. You know, I think there's lots of people yes. who are you know they're good at something and they kind of fall into it. Um, Correct. It yeah. So I I think you're in a very you're in a minority. That is absolutely for certain. But to have that kind of foresight, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it shows a, obviously a deep set of sense of wisdom about you. You're obviously an old soul, I, I would say. <laughs> uh, so many people tell me that as well, too. I, even to the music I listen to, I guess, but old soul, <laughs> just old school, old school uh, work ethic. And I think I, I bless that on my, my parent. My, my mom was a hard worker, too. I bless it on both of them to, to that they they raised a good kid i guess <laughs> did okay so kudos to them they they, yeah. they did okay so i'm blessed that again old school uh just work hard uh, nose to the grindstone and you can make it happen it just you got to be able to put in the work and the sacrifices yeah yeah it's great advice i'm curious you you mentioned that you had this long-term goal to sell to a national you know provider um when you're thinking about those things in those early days, and I, and I know we're going back a little while here, but it's just, I'm curious, like, what's driving that sense of the end game? I mean, is it, is it, you know, we all have a number in our heads, but is it, a, hey, if I could earn this much or if I could sell a company for this much, I'm set up for life, or is it, like, are there other motivators? What, what are the kind of drivers for that type of vision? Um, I think one of the other kind of drivers is maybe because I was in the business as of for so long since a younger age, um, it was starting to get a little, feel a little bit of the burnout, uh, burnout coming. And uh, so I was to a point to where I wanted to, and what I'm kind of gearing towards now to, you know, wanted to sell this business. I know eventually I'm going to get into some other kind of business. But it will be something uh, for me that's a lot less employees. Um, I had a lot of employees, uh, so that was a, a big driving factor in a way for me to um, to eventually sell out and, and get something that's a little, I guess, less stressful. A business is stressful either way, no matter how you look at slice or dice it. Um, so uh, I wanted to probably, I'm looking for a change a little bit. And um I think that I finally got that after probably being in the 25 years. I'd say probably in, in, in 2016 to 17, I was like, we're going to build this a little bit more. And then it's time to cut this thing loose, move on to something else and, you know, cash in, of course, and do some other reinvestments for, for passive income and move on to something else that's a little less stressful. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I, I think, you know, certainly from the businesses I've run and, and the many, many, many business owners I, I talk to, I think when you've got a business where there are, A, there's a lot of people, but B, they're doing work that 
is, albeit maybe only even a slightly higher risk, but there is a more a greater risk of physical harm. Oh yes. You know, it just it, I I had a business in the solar space. We had people climbing around on roofs. Like that's you fall, you could either die or be you know massively paralyzed, injured for life, that sort of stuff. It adds an additional layer of stress that that absolutely certainly. It yeah, I mean, at the moment, you know, I sit in an office, so do most of our staff. Somebody might get a paper cut. <laughs> it's, you know, they're not going to lose any fingers from it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, um, and you, you hit the nail on the head, exactly. And uh, that was in uh, 16, I was thinking about selling. Uh, 17, I had a very major accident, a freak accident with uh, one of my employees that, uh, a mower was mowing by a uh, railroad track. We we had a city property that we were doing, and it kicked up a railroad spike, and it flung it across the field and hit this guy in the hand and just decimated his hand. Oh, wow. Just complete freak, just complete freak accident. And no, even the guy mowing couldn't see him. It was in the, so it's one of those things that you think back, oh, my God, how blessed I am for him and his family that this could have went hit his head or neck or, you know, and then shortly thereafter, another year later, we had another guy that um, had a very bad ankle accident that had to go through some surgery as well. So those things add massive stress to you because uh, you don't want anyone to ever get hurt. Of course, there's insurances and stuff like that, that cover it, but that's just that extra added stress. Like I said, if it was office jobs, the worst thing, maybe a paper cut. Or, yeah. But when you're doing physical stuff where I've had guys with different pieces of machineries, whether it be chainsaws or hedge trimmers, sharp blades, that where it, it adds that much of a, a more of a stress to you. And um, I think that's for sure in 18 is when I said enough is enough. I'm, I'm ready to to move on. And, and, and it, it put a lot of stress on me. A few more gray hairs in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah look i totally get that um so so talk to me a little bit let's go let's go back a little bit to um you know you've started businesses you've started to run them you sold to your dad you've been through this kind of already you've already kind of had a mini mba a practical mba handed to you or you've you've earned it um what's the thinking when you start to look at a new acquisition you know how did you um decide what makes a good company to buy versus a maybe not so good company? I think the best thing uh, for that was being in the line of business and doing the acquisition. That was great because you know the pitfalls, you know what to look for. This is a, a very scary situation for someone who's new and literally no pun intended, but green to the industry uh, that they're jumping into a business that they've never done before. So for me, it was a little easier on this acquisition of uh, looking for the key factors for me, which were, you know, what are what are we looking at profit margins wise per each customer? Where are we looking location? That was the biggest one of the bigger driver factors for me was all I wanted to do was just add to the pile of where I was at in such a close knit area. For me, it was drive time. Ideally, in a perfect world, I'd love for just the crew to unload once and then mow the whole street if it was residential or be at one commercial location for eight hours because it was that load and unload and that drive time for me. So that was one of the factors was location, uh, obviously the profitability. What were they were lo- what were they looking to charge for each customer? Um, uh, those were some of the big things. Uh, you look at 
employees, uh, there was a little bit of a factor as well. Are they going to mesh with the current employees that I have? Because it's that's always a, a little bit of an issue as well. Um, another big factor for me was I didn't necessarily, I was very, I ran my business very mili- militaristically that uh, all the mowers needed to be the same name, everything. I didn't have mishmash equipment. So I, my, my, I looked very professional in the way of everything. All the equipment was the same. So a lot of times on those acquisitions, I didn't look as much for the equipment part, but locations and profitability for each one of them. Uh, and I went through quite a few of them because uh, as any business owner thinks, you know, their, their business is the biggest and the best and they want the top dollar for it. Well, they for people who are trying to sell you get you, they got a rude awakening <laughs> you know um so you got to look at what is the best profitability and if it was if it was evident numbers or you, revenue in my aspect if revenue didn't mean much because you had a big overhead with with your labor so you had to you really had to look at the profitability numbers on that so that's what i look for a lot of times in my line of business yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I think you, you talk about um, profitability and, and you've mentioned customer metrics and how they charge and all that. And, and they're, they're all, yeah, I, I will just broadly call them the fundamentals of a business, right? Like that's the, the, the stuff that people go to first. But I'd like to just pick up one comment that, that you made there because I'm, you know, I find this really quite interesting. Locality. You talked about the that local region, right? And and I guess when I think about acquiring businesses, or I think about I'm helping sell a client's business, I'm always looking for an opportunity where one plus one equals three, not two. <laughs> you know, where is that point of leverage where it's not just about the financials and the the ratio? There's something extra in the mix, and and I think. You know, for those people who are familiar with an Ansoft matrix, you know, that's what that kind of tool is for. But for you, I think it's, you know, people doing a similar service, but in the similar area sounds to me like that's that point of leverage. Like there's no point just adding another service if you lose efficiencies and you lose um, those sort of economies of scale. Is that a fair, fair comment? Yes, uh, and for the most part, too, what helped me is is I had a Houston's a very big city. You add Houston, Galveston area; it's a, it's a city of almost six million people. You can drive from one side of Houston to the other and drive literally fifty minutes on a freeway, and you're still in the city limits. So my area was the southeast quadrant of Houston, so I specialized in that area, and I didn't go outside of that. Uh, the pitfalls, I think, for a lot of landscape companies, they just would grab this and grab that. Well, their drive time was so far, they didn't have any other customers. So it was just break even or they were losing money and to get, just because they wanted to get customers. So for me, it was locality. The other thing was, is if there was a couple of other neighborhoods in that locality that I really didn't get into yet, yet in this acquisition, they had some, which was great. I acquired it and all of a sudden I have instant presence there. And then I can grow from there as well. So that was a big thing for me was the locality in, in the drive time to where I just I had such a, a huge cluster in such a little area. But it took me, 
on the slow growth time in the early years, it took me quite a while because I turned down so much because it was, hey, I'm so far away here or there, and I'm sorry, we don't go that far. Uh, so then I said, where are we at to make this grow a little quicker? Well, let's look at some acquisitions and, and see. Let's acquire some other customers and, and buy out some other uh, buy out some other companies. So that's how I started to grow in that locality as well. Yeah, that's that's um that's really that's cool. I like it. Um, um, uh, a quick question. I I I find with so many businesses, they especially when they're geographically kind of bound a bit, like your business was, that the temptation is to say, okay, well, look, we do lawns and landscaping, right? Just just broadly speaking, but look, we already have these customers. You know, we have a relationship, and I find that with a lot of business owners, there's this temptation to maybe we should offer these people other services, you know, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to use a random example here, you know, but, um, you know, Tom's in business doing landscaping and lawns, but, you know, maybe I start offering cleaning services because I'm already at the house, um, you know, as a, as a kind of cross-sell example. Did, did you ever have that temptation? And, and if so, how did you deal with it? I did not have that uh, temptation because, there's so many of them out there, and I call them the jack of all trades and master of none, okay? Uh, I found my niche, and I stuck with it. Now, there's so many other things that I did not do in the landscaping industry that were like installation of putting greens or during during Christmas time to install Christmas lights on your customers' houses and stuff like that. Um, there's just so many... I subbed out my fertilization. I didn't want to get into fertilization and have a whole program for that. And I subbed out my irrigation. Um, so I just had my niche of certain customers and just kept building and building and building. That is the problem, I think, with a lot of the, well, the landscaping industry I can speak for, is they're starting to grab, well, let me grab this, let me grab that. And and next thing you know, their their quality goes to, to, to pot. And, you know, they're not specializing in the certain niches that they do. And uh, I never had that temptation. I had that vision to look past that. You're going to make money. You're going to make money if you're good at it and you're going to keep growing. You don't need to grab this and grab that uh, because I wanted to keep, I had slow growth, but I wanted to keep everything under control and not just grow. The problem is we have rapid expansion and then your quality goes left and things start falling through the cracks. So I kept it really tight tighten it that way and i didn't have any temptations to do any extra side work or side jobs that you could do as you know, say so i was told people i joke around with them on estimates who said look i do lawns i don't do windows i don't do paint you know i, <laughs> I don't do the, all this extra construction stuff we just stick with the the green industry and that's uh, that's what we did with that so when you when you're looking at an acquisition in your particular industry did you come into it with an idea of how to value these type of businesses already? Good question on that. You know what? Uh, when I first did my first one, no, I did not. Um, there was kind of some standard rules of thumbs where they play, you say you pay X, X value, X times value or a month's a uh, month's worth of gross for each if it was a residential customer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the three, the two acquisitions that the first two I did didn't have uh, EBITDA, true EBITDA numbers or evaluation on the company. So it was more based on 
I kind of knew the no, you, you're in the business already, which was great. So you kind of know the numbers and the profitability of what it should be for each per se, each customer uh, on the list. So, um, but I didn't have a, a formula going into it. The first two, the third one I did um, because the third one, I really, really wanted to be sure since I was going to be tripling the size of the company uh, that I was making the right move. I was taking a big plunge there. Uh, so there I, there I had a little bit better idea um, as for purchasing that company. And, and, and do, do business in, businesses like yours, um, you talked about a multiple of EBITDA. Um, you know, we talk about that sort of stuff on the show a little bit, but, but is there a typical range that businesses in the landscaping kind of world trade at? Yeah, for the most part, um, you're at a, a three to, you could go all the way up to a six. I haven't seen many of those in the industry, but three to five is about your multiple on EBITDA for that, for this line of it. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a curve to that in a way, too, because you got to look at, there's so much, we had so much equipment. Um, so uh, when we saw there was an asset purchase sale, uh, in the way of you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars of trucks and trailers and mowers and, and you know, skid steers and dump trucks and et cetera, uh, all that to the, to, to add to that. So you got to look at, there's a little bit of a slight curve to that, uh, evident number, depending on the multiple that you want to pay. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, and, and certainly in my experience too, the bigger the company, typically they attract better, better multiples as well, just because of the scale of aspect of it. But, um, sure. yeah, that's interesting. Other than, um, when you're looking to acquire a company, other than looking at the financials and, and making sure that all those boxes are being ticked, how, how important is it, you know, how important is your intuition and gut feel around the buyer themselves? Yeah, that's a huge thing. Uh, <laughs> I guess the plus for me, since I was trying to do acquisitions in the area of where I already was existing, uh, it's kind of one of those tight-knit things. Well, you know about this owner for this company, that owner for that company. So um, there, you always go in there with a lot of apprehension or caution uh, going in there. And I, I was blessed on the sell side for me, not to be as worried to sell to a local competitor because you're always, your biggest thought was, oh, you know, you're opening the books, you're telling them exactly what the contract numbers are with everything. What are they going to do to, even though you signed that non-disclosure, what is to prevent them to come a year or two years later to come after those customers because they have numbers. Um, so that was a, a big concern uh, for me uh, going into it. You had to have some, uh, going in there with you know, some caution, uh, who you're dealing with and talking to other landscapers and what their dealings are with, which, you know, you had allies and then you had, it wouldn't necessarily call them enemies, but guys, you really just wouldn't want to, you know, uh, in touch with a 10 foot pole, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, keep away yeah. from those kind of guys. So uh, I had a little bit of apprehension, of course, uh, every, every, buy but any i think that goes for any business that's going to buy they're going to have some apprehension um but when you're in the same line of business in the same locality it's it's it escalated a little bit more 
Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's funny, isn't it? But, you know, like the numbers tell a story, but there's a whole context around that story as well, right? It's a, of course. I guess it, it sounds like you were able to kind of really triangulate people a bit. And, of course, you never know 100% what's their thinking, but, you know, I guess that additional context is is very helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you've heard in, in the line of business where, you know, you sign these uh, non-competes and, boy, how many of them are right after or even before, you know, they're jumping right back into business. So you got to be very careful with that as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, non-competes, confidentiality, all this sort of stuff. I mean, any contract is only as good as the money you're willing to throw at it to defend it, right? Which, oh, which means exactly right. <laughs> lawyers and courts. And I don't think anybody really wants to spend money on that path. So yeah, you do have to be careful. I think it's, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um. So, so that's been really interesting from the buy side. And I think, you know, I, I have one last question on that, and then I'd sort of like to talk a little more about your, your actual exit. But when I look at growing my business and when I, I talk to other business owners about growing theirs, you know, at a very high simplistic level, there's really two levers you could pull, right? You either build it or you buy it, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, and I'm, I'm curious, I'm was there a reason that you leaned into buying? I mean, I'm sure you were trying to grow organically as well, but but clearly you you didn't just take the step to look at acquisitions. You did it a number of times. So, you know, cl clearly that was a pretty big commitment to that strategy. Is there a reason you chose that over perhaps more the organic growth? Yes, um, because of the fact of if you had time as money, so if you added um, is, is sending an estimator out, or if you added all the marketing uh, to to keep growing, you add those numbers to where you can go instead and put those that dollar into something that you know you're going to get uh, on a guarantee. You got instant presence and in, in, in customers immediately on the day of sale. To me, what's a much easier way of growing instead of growing organically? It was a quicker way of growing and and uh, buying strategically in the way of, like I said, locality um, was was a big thing for me. Now, we, we still, of course, we grew organically, but it was a very slow growth because I didn't really I didn't advertise too much. Um, the advertisement for me and I always said in business is your best form of advertisement is word of mouth or it could be your worst enemy. If you do good, you're going to do great and people are going to talk and rave about you. But if you do bad, believe me, they're the first ones nowadays on social media that, you know, a lot of Karens out there that'll, you know, call you out. <laughs> so uh, uh, I did a lot of that. For me, my best path was acquisitions. After I was in the line of business for so long, I knew what to look for. Um, if you're a, a, an entrepreneur that's looking just to buy a business that you haven't really have any experience with you got to really throw up a lot of caution flags and, and be sure you're you're making the right move with that yeah a lot lot more risk yeah t totally agree let's shift gear if we can i mean i'm i'm you've bought these businesses you've been growing now your final acquisition you said was three times the size of your co or, or it took your company to three times the size so at least i imagine it was at least double the size of your business is that's that's an unusual thing where the you know the 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 mouse swallows the the elephant type yeah. thing. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. That's and that's how I felt. And um, that was in 2012. And um, I was I felt very overwhelmed for that year to year and a half until I finally got everything under one hat and one umbrella to where I was comfortable with. But it was a huge um, jump leap, leap of faith for me. I'm now looking back, of course, I'm glad I did it. Uh, but it was, it was a scary, I can't say scary time in a way of, it wasn't, I wasn't in any financial, uh, distress. I was just more emotionally and mentally distressed. And and that can bring you down. If if you just, you got to be able to drive and grind through it and some, that's where a lot of people won't and, and they'll fail. So I was blessed in that aspect. I was the I was the little man buying the, the you know, I was a little little person buying the big man stuff. So, uh, but I'm <laughs> glad I did do that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story. I mean, did when you did that acquisition, did you need to get um, external funding through banks and stuff like that, or was it self funded at that point? No, yeah, I did have to get uh, external funding uh, through that. Um, I, it would have been nice, of course, to do that, but I was. Uh, uh, I was blessed enough to have the right, uh, the banking source that I had been working with for, for a while, uh, that trusted me, knew my, knew my growth, knew I was in the line of business. Uh, so they, they were willing to work with me a little bit more, um, in the fact, since I was already in that line of business, buying another line of business that was the same, uh, was blessed with that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm starting to get a really clear idea why you might have been feeling a bit burned out, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of you just the stress amount over time uh, it got to me to where the fact of I got three beautiful children um, right now. Their current ages are 16, 13 and 11. But when when you're talking three little kids that are, you know, whatever, two, five, seven. Uh, they put a lot of tremendous amount of stress uh, on me with family life and, and, you know, trying to, to be the father there, to be there for all of their stuff as well. So it did get to stress enough to where I said, you know, I think, you know, enough is enough. We're going to get to a certain, certain goal and then we're going to cash in and, and do something different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, once again, makes a lot of sense. And I hope you don't mind me saying this and sharing this. But, you know, obviously, we were chatting just before we jumped online and you'd come from your son's football practice. So, you know, good on you. And I'm glad you're able to do that sort of stuff now. Absolutely. That's That was another big driving force for the reason why I did sell is so many people uh, through their lives, whether they're a business owner or work, they work so much and they miss a lot of their kids stuff. Uh, and then when they finally have a financial egg that where they can take a gear back a little bit, the kids are gone. And I am so blessed. I get to enjoy this now and, and I get to be the football coach and, and baseball coach, uh, whatever, you know, get to see my girls play volleyball. And that was another driving factor for me was, Hey, if I can enjoy this stuff now, why not? We're financially great. We're, we got a lot of passive income coming in now too. So that was another big driving factor for me to sell. That's cool. That's cool. I really like that. So I, I think we've got a good idea or the sense of the emotional drivers for you to start thinking about exiting, um, you know, and obviously there's financial benefits. Can you talk us through the process? I mean, was there a point in time that you 
you know, did you wake up one day and go, right, that's it, I want to sell? Or was it more gradual than that? Or, you know, what did it look like when you started down that path? Uh, When it started down that path, and here's a great, great, I guess, word of advice is so many entrepreneurs or have their businesses just think, oh, it's going to be so easy. I'm done. I'm a cash and I'm a sell. Uh, when you get a, for me, you need to get a financial review of your business, have an independent third party come in there and truly go through your tooth and comb of all your financials to see where you set financially to even get that correct EBITDA number. Um, for me, uh, the process took, I think I wanted to sell, uh, we listed early 18 2018 uh we didn't sell until uh in the midst of COVID in june of 2020 um so it was over a two-year process it took when i finally said yes let's pull the trigger and we're going to make this happen um uh one out of a hundred i think that's the true ratio number about one out of a hundred businesses are ready to sell immediately at that time the other 99 think they're ready to sell and then when they get those the financial review done <laughs> they're like oh, oh this is ridiculous this is all i can get for this well that's what the going rate is for that so a lot of people not like i said the 99 percent think they're ready and they're not um i did my financial review and when i did my financial review they're like well we can put it up on the market but the biggest key for this is you really got to be able to drive your business and grow it exponentially now the big push well this is so hard for an entrepreneur who finally decides he's going to sell they're like they're already kind of cashed in and they're like i'm done and i i'm, I'm burned out of this business and i don't really want to push that much harder my word of advice is you got to push that much harder to really make it look like this is something that's hey this business is really taken off now this is should be you know a good buy and, and a no-brainer so for me it was a longer process i had to do a financial review um i had a great business acquisition company that i did uh uh did hire that was phenomenal that worked with me i had a set number in mind to exit I wasn't going to go any less than that. There was no need for me to go less than the company's making money. We're we're doing good. I do not need to 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 lower my price. If anything, I'll, I'll try to get in a bid war and, and see if we can get a higher asking price. Um, and that's exactly what happened in the tail end of eighteen, the beginning of nineteen. The tail end, I had two or three different offers. And I said no to them. And the reason why I said no, they just weren't the right. Uh, I just didn't get the right feel. I wanted, to, of course, as a business, it's your baby. Yeah, you grew it. You want it to succeed and, and, and do good. So you want to be able to transition, transition this off to someone that you feel could be doing good for the company and growing. And uh, one of the persons I didn't feel so well with that, the other two, they were a little under the numbers that. I wanted to sell that. So I went back to the business acquisition company that I was using. They said, you know what, Tom? Grow it another year. We're going to take it off the market and grow. Well, we'll keep it on the market, just kind of on a down low if we have any calls. We're going to take it off the market. 
And to me, that was like a punch in the gut because I was like, I already had in my mind, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to sell. I'm ready to exit. Yet I took this advice and then I grew it that much more. I had to drive and grind. I said, look, there's an end mark. I know, but it's so hard. It was hard for me because you're already, you know, you cashed out. You feel like you're done and, and, but you had to drive and make it that much more appeasing for a possible buyer. We relisted it back again in 19. I grew, uh, relisted it back again in February of 20. And finally in April of 20, uh, 2020, right when COVID began, we had a bite and it was a bite and it was the correct cash and amount of what I wanted. And it worked out beautifully. And, uh, and it worked out good. And the fact for us with COVID, we were essential business. We were working outside anyways. The grass was still growing. It still needed to be maintained. Um, and with the local authorities or whatever, we, we could keep going. So, uh, we had, we were supposed to close in April of 20. I had the offer actually in, in February of 2020. We were supposed to close in April 1st. He said, no, I want to see the numbers for. April, not problem. Just showed the neighbor. He said, "Let me go one more month. Let me see May." We went May, not a problem. He saw that nothing dipped. No, we were still cut. We had all our customers. Everything was going. So he said, "Okay, June 2020, we ended up closing, and we sold the company." Well, congrats, congratulations. I mean, it's you know one to be able to suck it up and take the gut punch and move on and do what you got to do. I mean, it just you know that. There's a theme here I'm hearing is that you've got that ability in the work ethic to grind through and get things done. It's, uh, you know, and I think that seems to be a common trait with the people I talk to that are successful. So, um, so well done. Congrats. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Like I said, I had a, I had a goal and set in mind and from the beginning to the end and I persevered and grinded through it and, and finally got to my end goal and to, to sell and to sell for the number that I wanted to sell for. And uh, I truly feel blessed. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, cognizant of time here, Tom, but um, what, what are you doing these days now that you're, um, you know, somewhat a man of leisure? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, I was uh, blessed enough with the company. I have, uh, I, I did never sold the commercial real estate that went with it. So I have, lease there and, and passive income. Uh, two years before I sold my company, I bought another commercial building. Uh, I have passive income there. From the sale of the company, I bought another commercial building. I have some passive income. I'm building another one currently right now. So uh, what I'm working on is a lot of the commercial real estate with, with passive income. I went ahead had a buddy of mine said, uh, go get your real estate license, commercial you know, real estate license. So I did. I told him I wasn't going to work 40 hours a week, which I'm not. <laughs> I said, hey, I'm going to come and go as I please. And he was like, fine, just do it because he knew I had a lot of contacts. So I uh, I do some commercial real estate, a little bit, uh, dabble into that and uh, building some other properties. And uh, for me, it's just about passive income. And uh, I have gotten a little bored, believe it or not. It's been over two years to where I was uh, looking to possibly buy another business. Um, but I'm not in a huge rush with that right now because I'm enjoying the hell out of my kids. And uh, what a blessing that is and and get to be with them. And uh, I don't mind being Mr. Mom for sometimes, you know, just, just to uh, enjoy that. So uh, I probably will dabble and get into another business. Um, 
of some sort. But as of right now, it's uh, all a passive income with real estate and uh, blessed I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fabulous. Um, Tom, um, I imagine there might be a few listeners who'd love to reach out to you. I mean, are you, are you okay if people reach out to Connect? Absolutely, I am. Uh, I have a, a business brokerage as well that I, I dabble a little bit with to help some other companies try to sell. And uh, they can reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn at Tom Farinacci. And I'm also, if you want an email, it's uh, Tom Farinacci at Outlook.com. And that's T-O-M dot F-A-R-I-N-A-C-C-I at Outlook.com. And if they want to reach out to me that way, uh, we can, I'd be glad to do that. I've had uh, multiple people come out and just to, just to get some pointers or some, just if to do some consulting work to get them on the right track. And I'll be glad to help them if, if they're wanting to need the help. Yeah, that's fabulous. Well, look, it's a very generous offer. I, I certainly appreciate it. And I, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story with us. Um, we'll certainly put the links and those uh, email and everything else in the in the notes for the show, so people can reach out. Perfect. Um, to that, to those listening, if you do reach out to Tom, um, please do do him the courtesy of at least letting him know that you you heard him being interviewed on this podcast, so he at least knows where you're coming from and has a bit of context as to why you're reaching out. But um, but Tom, finally, I'm so grateful. Thank you for your time for sharing. You've been a generous man. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and um, yeah, you're. Uh, I'm, I'm just so happy for you that you've uh, you've landed where you are. You know, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me on the show. And uh, like I said, uh, it would be nice if there was some kind of written manual about being an entrepreneur and all the pitfalls. And any, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of pluses too. But um, anything I can do to to help anyone out there, I greatly appreciate it. It's no problem. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Find out how you score on the eight factors that drive company value by completing the Value Builder questionnaire. Upon completion, we will send through your business scorecard so you can see how to maximize the value of your company. Just go to exitadvisory.com.au forward slash scorecard. The Buy, Grow, Sell podcast is brought to you by Exit Advisory Group a boutique M&A firm that helps business owners maximize company value and exit at the top of their game. To learn more about Exit Advisory Group, you can go to exitadvisory.com.au. And if you like what you've just heard, you can subscribe at buygrowsell.com to get a new episode delivered to your inbox each week. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn.